We had some technical difficulties today, um, and then I literally just forgot how to count from <laughs> five to one. So, and I I, th- I just cracked this beer, so it's not like I've been drinking all night or anything like that. Well, <laughs> it only day. is seven o'clock, but you know, it's a long day. I set you off the technical difficulties. That's my bad. You were ready to go right on time, and I uh-huh, and I made you late. Uh-huh. But the, but podcast podcast listeners, it always starts on time for them, so we're in great yeah. shape. Yeah, that's the beauty of podcasts. Uh, welcome into the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. I almost forgot the name of the show too. I am <laughs> drink I'm up, baby. It'll get better. Whoo! I think here's why. I think you put a lot of pressure on me because I think you were like normally when I send you the rundown, you're like, "All right, looks great." Like today, you seemed a little extra excited about it. So you know, I don't know. I, I just looked. I, don't, I think maybe looks, there's some pressure on me. I'll try to tone it down. Maybe I was giving you all my excitement. And my cynicism was at work, and those work <laughs> people are probably pissed about that. All right, this week on the show, we've got some Penn State basketball talk, but it's not the talk that you think it is. Um, Then we also want to break down some of Sports Illustrated's Illustrated's latest changes. And then we've got a a teensy bit of news that, like, I feel like it happened last week, but I don't really remember. Time is a flat circle. Um, So we'll get to that. And then... I want to ask Steve, and, and this uh, this week's old guy, young guy actually happens to be sports media related. So, you know, this is a heavy sports media show, but I think it'll be a good one. All right, Steve, much like you do throughout the week, you texted me last week. Next week, too, question mark, dot, 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 the pink and black uniforms, period. Steve, do you like Penn State, Penn State's basketball's pink and black uniforms? I like them a little less often than they wear them. I think it's a neat thing. I think it's neat at home twice a season. But other than that, the school colors are blue and white. The team's blue and white. Like, I, I wrestle with that. And that's yeah. probably an old guy thing, right? Like, yeah, that's a get off my lawn. Like, don't be, don't be creative kind of stuff. Um, and, and they were late to the party on pink and on black, right? Like, everybody added some black before Penn State did. Like, you, you pick a school that doesn't have black in its colors in the past 10 years. They've added some black somehow because it looks hip. The, the youths like it, who they're getting recruited. Who knows? Whatever. The, everybody's adding it. Um, the youths. The youths. Yeah, whatever that. Steve my cousin Vinny. Um, no, I think they're neat. I, I just don't. I don't. They are not the main uniform in my world, and they, they're becoming that in some ways, I guess. Okay. So here's my take on it. When they first came out, I was I was the biggest fan for this idea. I thought this was this was it. Like I thought, and I still think this that majority of teams on campus should do this at least once. And I believe wrestling has, and I, I know that the the women's basketball team has done pink, but I think it's still pink and blue. The 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 uh, yeah, it's like the, the pink, pink zone stuff, right? yep. jerseys yep. are still pink and blue, yep. but the numbers being blue. Uh, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for Penn State history. I think it's that that was one of the when I was at the Collegian, I would always go back and read the really old, like before. Well, maybe not before you were there, like the 1900s, like 19 teens. Those, you yeah, know, right when you read about the 20s, graduate, about the time my freshman year, yes, sir. And I just always thought that 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 history was cool. 
And I didn't know that actually until, and I mean, I grew up a Penn State fan all of my life. I didn't know that actually until like I was 16, which seems like a pretty important fact. So that brings me to my point. Every so often when they wear them, someone who is not in the Penn State Twitter sphere will tweet because they're a sad, sad soul and they're watching a Penn State basketball game. What the hell is Penn State wearing? And to me, this leads me to the point of why I think I don't like them anymore because of how often they use them. People are now connecting that brand with those colors, and it's a brand that can't even get out of its own footprint of the football team. So, like, if if the football team did this first, which I think they should, I think it would be different. But because it's the basketball team kind of taking, which credit to them for taking charge there, but I, I don't know, it's... It shouldn't be, it's it's almost, it seems like it's a little bit damaging when for the last however many years, even to a degree this year, Penn State has been trying to develop this footprint into developing a brand of worse, not that we're, it's a basketball school and it's ever really going to be a basketball school, but we're, there's independence between the football team and the basketball team. And I just, I don't think it works. No, I, I think it's... It's one place. It's you know, God forbid they use the one team thing anymore. It's one team. It's one. The athletic department is the brand, and that's a bigger conversation probably for some point. You know, every team wants to have its brand. Every team wants to have like I think, and this would probably knock you off your seat. So I better watch how I say this. Like I think, I know, I think maybe football is the exception. Maybe that's how I'll keep you on your seat. Maybe football is the exception, but your student fan groups should pretty much all be doing the same damn thing. Like, I don't think every, the, the soccer should be one thing and the basketball Steve, should be another and the women's basketball should there be another. Back. So, say yeah, that again. Say that again. I, I think the, the sports fan rooting areas, I'll give you okay. Nittanyville separately. Okay. But I think the sport, if you're a student, the student fan should be the, whatever the name is, it should be the same no matter what venue you're in, right? Rather than those all being branded by themselves, you know, because we're, we're breaking up the brand in little pieces and that's a different discussion. But I think the pink and black works once a year for a big game. I think, yes, every team should do it at some point. The challenge is, right, then you've got these pink and black uniforms sitting around. The team members say, well, shit, we won in them. We played really well. Let's wear them again. Right. They look and that's cool. What's happening. And that's what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's what, ha- that's what happened last year, and I think it carried over into this year a little bit. I don't know. I, I also understand it from the financial standpoint. From what I understand, like, uniforms aren't cheap even if they're basketball uniforms and not to be that guy but these pink and black uniforms they don't look like they are truly nike quality like they look like they were printed downtown somewhere type thing (laughs) actually that's a little offensive to the downtown shops printed like i don't know pull yourself out of this one go buy something downtown the next time you're there see how that goes I didn't name the store. I didn't name any stores, all right? So, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that they look like they are high Nike quality. Like, I feel like they kind of look like practice practice pennies, like practice jerseys. So, I, I think that's one problem I have with them. I don't know. It's it's tough because I, I respect the fact that they want to go build their own brand, like I said. But at the same time, like, the Penn State brand itself really isn't flashy like 
sure the logo is a little bit intricate intricate with the chipmunk logo but that's really the only logo even though penn state university proper university has its own logo most people connect that logo the the sports logo the chipmunk logo to the university and then everybody always connects the blue blue tops white pants and white white helmets and i think i think that's they're kind of pushing the envelope there I think on the flip side of that, I think hockey has actually done the, the men's hockey team and the women's hockey team. I think have both done an excellent job with that of kind of pushing that envelope in the right direction, taking previous elements from gray used to come up. And I, I don't think basketball wears their gray uniforms anymore. I'm like I don't, I haven't seen them in a while. And I, I wonder if that's not a, you know, that's, that's, that's not the way to go, you know, Try to make those a little bit more. Right, and I don't know how conscious the efforts are to not be gray, right? To not do what everybody else is doing. And that's a challenge with, with any brand. And I guess after being at Penn State 20 years and seeing it, you know, everybody at some point is, oh, I'm so tired of the blue and white. Well, sucks to be you. Go to Clemson. Like, then it's going to be orange and white. Like, I don't know what to tell you. These are the school colors. Right. Um, so that's, again, I think it's, it's neat once or twice a year. Big game, whatever else. Somebody, you know, there's just always a storyline where you can make it work. Um, if you want to, if you're a Thon game and you do it for your throwback uniforms, whatever, so you're not like trying to always play the underdog and, and minimizing yourself into playing against somebody bigger for an emotional thing or whatever. But not not as many games as they do it now. It's just to me, it just feels too many. I, I my team wears blue and white uniforms, at least they used to. It made sense that one time they wore them at Rec the year that they played three Rec Hall games, yep. not the not the first time around because the first time around they wore those. The, 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 like throwback looking ones right. um, but I have a question and I, I want to hear your thoughts on this and I've always debated this internally with my head would you rather see the football team wear all white during a whiteout or pink and black pink and black hmm. I disagree I mean, the all-white would be neat, but I, I'm at this point probably maybe, and I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth, right? bitching about the basketball team doing something different. The football team hasn't done that. People would go nuts if they came out for, for, for a whiteout in either one of those, honestly. But homecoming white, I would be pink and black, so it wouldn't be the whiteout. You could sell me on all-white for a whiteout. Like I, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a hard here's, sell. Here's why I like it. Because then, because the whole reason why it hasn't happened is Penn State has to basically go to the conference. The conference then has to go to the team that Penn State's playing, get the approval, and and basically like Jim Harbaugh or formerly Urban Meyer, now Ryan Day, would have to like submit right. to the to James Franklin be like, we're wearing these, sorry. Right. I don't know. You know, I think it could well, be Well, that fun. was the NBA game really this week. Enough, is it yeah. Like, where they, they switched uniform because they were yeah. too, you know, people get into that, changing their colors and doing whatever else. And yeah. Yeah, we should we should we we could save that discussion for another day because I have some I have some more thoughts on that. All right, let's see. So, Steve, you brought up this idea, so I'm going to let you tee this one up. Sports Illustrated. So I used to use my wonderful internet web device when I was on break from work or looking for information, and I'd jump back and forth between ESPN and Sports Illustrated and the Athletic and check out what was going on each day and see what was happening. And about two weeks ago, I would go to sports. Two weeks ago, now I would go to Sports Illustrated, and I only get a paragraph for every story. And I knew it was coming. Um, I guess I just didn't know it was coming this hard, and credit them for the paywall. 
Um, but they have locked things down pretty good. Um, you can't, you know, there's not much you can get. I don't know if there's anything you can read a full article on anymore. Um, and they're, they're, what their journalism is certainly worth it. Like if it's going to be a value, that's great. If this is the way you're going to jump in, you got to jump in full force and not let me get some free stuff. Um, unfortunately, at least in my case, it's limited how much I do with Sports Illustrated. I do much less there in the past two or three weeks, however it's been, than I've done before. And um, so I'm quite happy with The Athletic and ESPN. I miss Pat Forty a little bit. I think I'll miss him during the tournament. But I, I don't think there's enough there. I miss Tom Verducci. But I don't think there's enough there for me to add that at this moment to what I'm paying. And I haven't really looked. I guess if I get the magazine and the digital for at some point, maybe I jump back into the magazine. But I would be interested in knowing the numbers and, and story, story reads and, and impressions and all that kind of stuff in the past three weeks compared to what they were before. So you like and I, I actually list Sports Illustrated on my resume because I did an internship there mm -hmm. type thing. And there are a couple people that I know that work there. And I, I hope they don't take offense to this. But you actually, like, you've been reading Sports Illustrated, like, within the last year? Like, since since the calendar turned? Like, you... No, I think the subscription... Yeah, on online, yes. The, and, the, and the subscription ended probably online. last spring. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, online. Let's... We'll, yep, we'll online regularly. Yep, since probably until wow. they switched it over. I mean, I would check in... Because I, I think Pat Forty's good... And I get some other stuff, but not. It's probably not my first read, but it's it's there every day. That, but is, not now. Yeah, that's surprising to me because I I don't. I really don't. I know, mm -hmm. and and I, I know that we, you know, I can hear several college of com, um, professors right now being like, "You need to read multiple sources. You need to read multiple sources." I do. It's just not this one anymore. I just have I once I got the athletic subscription, I really have stopped. My thing is like, I don't, I don't know what's there with Sports Illustrated anymore. Like within the last three years, at least four years, maybe even more. There's not much there to make me want to click or visit or, or pay attention to it. And I, so that's where the the subscription comes in. Is it's, I guess it's five ninety nine, six dollars a month, and the the top content is behind the paywall. Some of their other content, let me uh, look at this story here, is, is, but it's, like, okay, so it says, like, Monday morning quarterback is behind there, Verducci's behind there, um, breaking news is, is kind of the who, what, when, where, and why, it says in this article from Front Office Sports, um, is, is, is free, um, Fan Nation, which is like kind of like SB Nation a little bit. Um, that is free, and then like that's kind of pretty much it. Like yeah, oh, you get and, the breaking news, the, you get the first two paragraphs stuff, of the, the story. That's that's about it for me. And I can get that other places. You know, I, I I'm not missing Verducci writes really well, and I and I do miss that. But I think I'll build a bridge. And it's funny in in the past six months, Forty has changed his. Hasn't changed. He's felt stronger editorially and more opinion. Like there was a lot of stuff about sports being dropped at other places and minor sports and, and, and stuff at Iowa with swimming. And it was good, strong stuff that an experienced writer should be doing. But he was doing more uh, commentary than feature kind of stuff, which was an interesting change of pace. 
Um, and I, it felt like that, as we've gotten here, was kind of leading to that. Like, people are going to go to voices. They're going to pay for opinion. Um, and it felt like that was it. But for me, I, it's, it's just not worth paying for, unfortunately. Yeah. To, to me right now, it's it's you're pretty much just paying for him and, and Verdugi, like you said. Like, that's that would be why I would spend money there. But, I don't know, six bucks a month kind of feels like a lot. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing with all of these subscription services. I've been thinking about this because we, we – you know, we haven't really been using Netflix a lot lately, and I think it's like a like twelve bucks, thirteen bucks a month. But then we start using it again, so then it's like, okay, it is worth it. But it's, I don't know, it's the more that these any subscription comes out, and especially, you know, I do as a journalism, capital J journalism degree holder, I, I do think that there is value in subscribing to your local news and things like that. But it, it's it gets tougher when you. You have to make it make it stand out, and the athletic is doing that right now. And I just don't know if there's anything Sports Illustrated could do. Um, I, I do think one thing that we should talk about, and I'm not 100% well versed on it, so if I screw up here, bear with me. But the way Sports Illustrated is owned and operated now has is completely changed versus when it was even maybe six years ago when they were still doing a weekly magazine because of the this the maven corporation group hedge fund type that's kind of taken over i don't know like i think the more i think about journalism and i know i'm not in it anymore but the more i think about it the more i think it is a public service and the more I should, um, I almost think about it as a non. It should be more of a labeled as a non-profit than a for-profit. Because I think, I, I mean, you look at the Washington Post. That's not what it is, but that's basically what it is with Jeff Bezos's money. You look at, um, I forget. I think the Baltimore Sun just got bought out, bought out by a non-profit, um, and they're going to kind of leverage that up. I wish, like, I know I'm me. And I know it doesn't work like this, but I, I kind of wish that's the direction things would go. And I think when things go behind a paywall, it makes it hard because especially now. Now, maybe three years ago, I might have jumped at it because of the content they had, the people that they had, and just the timing with The Athletic versus the umpteen other subscriptions that I now have. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think think you're right. I think the subscriptions are... If you're going to play that nonprofit out, the subscriptions are your payment to the charity, right? right. To keep it running, and, and you have to decide whether it's worth it, to, worth it or not. And realistically, they might have been. They were huge profit centers. Newspapers were huge profit centers, making, you know, fifty percent of revenues in the old old days, right? Because they had ad revenues coming in plus subscription revenues coming in. They were probably printing money hand over foot, kind of like cable TV was. 15 or 18 years ago because you had subscribers plus ad revenues and the models have just changed i mean i think you're going to get big organizations who for for whom it may be Hold a write-off or they can make cut out again there we go you're going to get big go. big organizations for whom it may be a write-off and work um and it come, becomes kind of a charity for them and you get other places where it has to be a community service is it going to be worth it for people to pay for their local paper to pay for their sports news and and we're finding out that it's not in a lot of cases i mean it is but everybody's not going to do every subscription to make up for the stuff they got for free before. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it comes down to that. Like, I only got so much money a month that I am willing to spend on yeah. this stuff. Right. Yeah. No, and, and you're, a lot of it's locked in already or who's, you know, who am I going to kick to the curb to, to get it? Exactly. 
Exactly. Right. Which leads perfectly in the next thing. You only got so much Speaking money of, to spend. I know. Speaking of, of money and cable and all of that good jazz, um, there was some breaking news. It was it was last week. It was last Friday. Um, that officially, Disney and the, well, unofficially actually, Disney and the NFL have reached an agreement on a new rights deal. This is according to Sports Business Journal. And all of the mumbo jump here at Bo basically says here is that ABC now gets a Super Bowl back in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. rotation. So now all the four major cable outlets of CBS, NBC, Fox, and, and ABC have have the Super Bowl. Does this do anything for you, Steve? Do you care? I'm I'm glad they're there. Like I'm glad it exists. Um, I think it, it's interesting to me the day before it broke. Um, Richard Deitch from The Athletic did a, did a Q&A, or republished a Q&A, I guess, with John Oren from Sports Business Journal, who broke this. And Oren po- postulated about how ESPN could not do this. Like, what could they do if they didn't do this? If they took all the money they saved from the NFL, they could corner the market on college football. They could own Saturdays in a way that nobody else does. It's the second biggest sport in America. It could work you around. It could do all this. And there's a, there's a part of it that sounded logical, but even as, as he postulated about that and speculated, you're like, look, if they have the money for the NFL, they're going to pay for the NFL. Like, people, it's just the Hold NFL. Hold on a second. Go ahead. Try now. Um, your mic out again. Cut, yeah, your mic cut out there. Um, you, you kind of thought they couldn't do it. There might have been ways where they couldn't have done it, and they could have spent on something else. But everybody appreciates the power of the NFL. ESPN <laughs> is more relevant with the NFL paying more than it would for more college football to even own college football than it does it than it does if it were not to do this. Um, they ju- just need it. It's, it's the only thing that's still appreciating in value. The NFL mm-hmm. matters. People watch. Ratings matter. Sunday Night Football has been the highest rated TV show for 25 years. Like, And, and this was the only way ESPN and ABC were going to get in there was to, to keep doing what they were doing because nobody else's deal was going to open up. And they may actually be paying less than some other people comparatively for, for keeping their deals. For a change. Right. Um, what does it do for you? What does it do for me? That's, that was a good point. That the deal... I would this, And I forget the structure, but does Viacom own Turner or is Turner separate? I don't know. I think I, they're separate, I, but I don't I know. I think they're separate, but they just kind of work together. I may have to go that later. Um, because that's really the only group that would kind of might have that kind of money to throw at it, but they already spend a lot of money on the NCAA tournament. Um, so what does it do for me? I don't know. I think there's a little bit of nostalgia there for me mm-hmm. on it um, because that was that was Monday Night Football. Like, I know your generation really loves Monday Night Football um, because it like just I think it culturally was a, such a big deal. Yep. Like it was, you know, you had people coming on. I think I, my, my mom still tells the story of, of kind of finding out on the radio on a Monday night that that's how John Lennon was shot. And then fi- seeing the, the, the replay or the, the, uh, the, or the game cast, they were talking about it. Yep. Um, but for me, like that was quintessential football, like growing up, like that's of non Steeler games and non Penn State games. Those are the games that I remember the most. Yep. And so I think there's a little bit of that. Um, I'm interested in how it works out 
digitally because ESPN slash Disney has, has opened up this Pandora's box, if you will, of ESPN Plus, um, Disney Plus, and even Hulu. They need content to put on there. Not that there are there already isn't enough, but like I'm wondering if they're we're gonna see more content there from from this. And I hope that it's it's more things like the Peyton show, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning's show, and and something to, to supplement or you know kind of boost up NFL Countdown or not NFL Countdown, but it's the the highlight show that the Boomer does. Sunday Night Countdown or Sunday Night whatever the highlight show. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, and that was. Uh, the highlights are one of the things they paid for too, right? Like if they, they right. weren't in the rotation, they aren't getting highlights. Right. So I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think we kind of all knew it was coming. If you pay attention to this, I think everybody knew it was coming. I think um, the digital stuff's a good point though. Like, I mean, I think Peyton's Places has worked for them and, and they know good. it works I, for I've them. I've watched it's, a couple of episodes of it. I haven't watched all of them, but it's good. It's funny. It's, it's and that's good. how they're going to engage him? Like, I mean, that's the only... It feels like, and you know, money will change stuff. Feels like that's the only way he's going to be involved in a Super Bowl broadcast is as part of a roundtable as a result of that. Like, I don't think they're throwing him in the booth now. Maybe this will lure him out, um, but nothing really changes except the Super Bowl. So bring him back for that. But yeah, like if, if there's not a piece of this, if somebody wasn't thinking, what can we do with Disney Plus for this? What can we do with children's programming? You know, or something, or just something, some one-off or some little series as a result. Um, What's intriguing is it wasn't as big a number as the other places, so I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks they might not have pitched all that stuff because the NFL certainly would have made them pay for all that stuff. That's um, true. So I, that'll be interesting uh, to see. Um, the thought that I just had, and then we'll come back to the previous thought that I had, welcome to my mind, is what about things like Megacast? Do we think that would like I I think I have to wonder if that would come up with the Super Bowl. Um, I, I just think that that's but like then again, do you want people not you want people not watching the Super Bowl on on your main network that you're spending two billion dollars on? Yeah, yeah, two two billion two point six billion, which is just that's a lot of money. Um, so that's one thing I think about. Um, the other thing that you brought up. And, and, and part of the nostalgia for me is it was Al and it was John doing the, the Monday night games. And you knew that it, that was like part of the attraction to listening and watching a Monday night game. And I know it was different, again, for your generation with Howard Cosell and all of those people. But we've talked about this briefly before. Maybe we can really get into it as things kind of matriculate better closer to the season. But I just don't know if that's the booth there but i bet peyton manning would be the perfect either the perfect addition or the perfect let's kick lewis riddick out and greasy out and let's put put him there yeah it wouldn't shock me if they were changed now you're in the super bowl rotation now now you guys are going to get to say they did a super bowl no matter who it is you know maybe it wasn't attractive peyton before but you're going to be able to say you broadcast a super bowl and played in a super bowl mr manning like how many people can say that that are working the gig Mm -hmm. and have, have worked the gig um yeah, it's a workmanlike, steady, fairly professional Monday Night Football team of those three guys. Like, they're okay. They're not offensive. They're not, and I don't believe people are, are, are watching ever for a crew. I think maybe people could turn down the sound, but I'm not even sure that's true because it's just a lot of effort. Like, you might turn down the sound and watch it, but like, 
nobody's watching, nobody's turning away, but it doesn't feel like there's a huge value added. I mean, I like Lewis Riddick. Um, I think Steve Levy's okay. And Brian Greasy's not as bad as I thought he would be. Um, So we'll see. Like, I just, it wouldn't shock me if they changed. Um, And if they have $2.6 billion to put in the deal together, then they probably have some money to hire announcers. Yeah. But they, they are not in... And the other ones have, have come from longevity and familiarity that they feel good and that we know them. We know what we're getting when we turn on Joe Buck. We know what we're getting when, when it's Troy Aikman. We know, so, you know, we know what we're getting with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. We like him or dislike him. So maybe you need to give them the opportunity to, to be familiar with people, too. I, I could hear somebody making that argument. That would probably not be the argument I made. I, I, would, I think Peyton Manning is the most recognizable, engaging entertaining person they have that touches football in the ABC, ESPN, Disney Network, and I would find a way for him to be involved with the broadcast. I agree. Yeah, it just, it's like, it's like having a Ferrari sitting in the garage and just never driving it. Even if you give him segments, give me something. Do do something. Yeah, yeah. Or even just him on the halftime, you know? Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, There was one more thing I wanted to add there. No. Nope. No, we, we discussed it all. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on? No, I was waiting to go back to the other part of your mind, but I guess we got there, so that's good. No, we got there because I, I went, I went where, I forget where I went, but I, I, was, I made it to the booth and that's where I wanted to get to. Okay, so. good. All right, Steve, this week's old guy, young guy is, uh, I, I kind of feel a, a bit overdue. I feel like we might be late on this trend, um, but... Given the events of the last year, and I don't understand why that's related, but it seems like part of the like sports lexicon in the last year has been rediscovering sports cards. Like, I don't know necessarily why that's happening. Um, the the Top Shot thing just blew up in the NBA, um, but do you what like? When's the last time you bought a, a, a card pack, Steve? Oh, gosh. The last time I bought a card pack was before you were born, I'll bet. Like, I mean, I, I haven't bought cards in forever. Um, I'm not, well, yeah, it's been, it's been that long. Um, but I think, let me, let me digress a second, and then we'll come back to where you want to go. Okay. I, I think people, I, I think it's a, it's a pandemic familiarity comfort thing, right? Like, I think it's... <laughs> For the people that are that are rediscovering, they've gone through their closets, they've found them. That there's there's some conversation. There's a, there's a venue to share them online. Not that that wasn't there for the past decade, but still, like I think that's part of what why they're so popular. Um, for me, it's been a while since I bought them, but I know where my, all my cards are at. Like I know uh, my brother was a bigger baseball card collector than me, um, and I know where the the Billy Ripken baseball card that he has Billy Ripken has a bat over his shoulder with a little F off thing yeah. sticker on you it you have that card my brother has that card yes that card is like apparently worth a lot of money Steve yeah um, what I have that's a value and it's it's kitschy of value right because I'm always off just a little shade I have the, the sets of USFL football cards when oh. they were created like full sets okay. so Reggie White and you know that's probably, that's probably Jim worth. Kelly and all those guys you know that, that played in the USFL so I have both full sets of those, um, but the last time wow. I bought a card was it was twenty years ago, easily. Uh, Steve, you might be sitting on an accidental gold mine there. I'm just doing some googling, and there's 
a little bit of money in these cards. We've been waiting for them to appreciate. They've been, they've so, been in a box, uh, right? Okay, so that was that was the the next thing I wanted to ask you. But let's go back to that. So I I don't know. I for a while got briefly into hockey cards, like when I was like in sixth grade. But then I kind of stopped, and I don't know. Like it just kind of felt weird to collect these pieces of paper. Why? Why? Like, why do we collect? Why is is it just another thing to collect? Is it like Beanie Babies were? Like Furbies were? Like, yeah, I think it's just thing? a different audiences. Beanie Babies are for. I think okay. that's perfect. It's at some audiences that, and there's a connection. There's there's hero worship. There's fun. There's whatever else. There's mm. I've got this. There's shared experiences. That's a hey, good did point. you get this card? And I got this card. Um, yeah, because they've ebbed and flowed. I mean, I. My stuff is probably from the 70s if there's pieces in there that, that my brother still has in our, his collection, which, I mean, whatever he has, he did most of it, so whatever I have that's in there that's of value value is his. The USFL cards were 82, 83. Bought them in Madison Square Garden. Like, bought them literally in the garden on a high school trip to New York. And, like, where are you going on your trip to New York? You're going to the Empire State Building? You're going to... I'm like, no, I'm going to the garden, man. Like, I forget Radio City Music Hall. Forget whatever. I'm going to the garden. And I bought like every team's USFL pennant and, and sets of, of trading cards. And I got back on the bus to take us home. And people were like, did you see this? Did you see that? I'm like, no, man, I went to the garden. Like, where else would a sports geek go? Um, and I've <laughs> kept funny. those cards to the ebbed and flowed through the years. Like, oh, they're worth some money, it seemed like initially. And then it's like, I got these pieces of cardboard that aren't worth shit. Um, but they come with a story. So I like them. So, okay. So the cards i'm trying to think of like the hero worship aspect is, is interesting because i do think some of my more memorable cards were i had a the very first pack of hockey cards i ever bought i bought at the eckerd it was an eckerd and altoona that's now a right aid it's uh right near red lobster and olive garden people I know, must, yeah, yeah. know probably will know exactly where i'm at and there was a wayne gretzky card and that was how I discovered that I have the same birthday as Wayne Gretzky. So I, that that card, that's a good point. The other card that I have that is, oh, I gotta find it somewhere. As I say, oh, it has a lot of meaning to me. Is it is a signed Kent Colvy card? Because okay. Kent Colvy is like I've always found him super fascinating. So that's the other card. But that that's a good point. So well, where are your cards at? Uh, I might have some here. I know most of them are at my mom's house. Okay. I would say 99% of them are. Um, do you so so the USFL ones? Do you have any other cards that you think are worth a lot of money? Because no. one of my coworkers just had a bunch of his cards sent out to get appraised and graded. No, I don't think so. I don't think I have. I don't think I have, but a handful of other cards in the house. The USFL cards are in plastic in like the little card slots, right? And what a business that became at some point. Some plastic company made millions of dollars making- The binders. The little binders with yeah. nine cards in a sheet and you flip them over like, you know, that I'm sure has gone out of business at some point and then came back in. Um, no, I don't think I have baseball cards worth money. My brother, I think, still has almost all of his. And again, there's probably some 70s stuff in there that's mine. He would do, it was Flair and Tops and Donruss, like his, that was his baseball stuff. I mean, I'm so old, there was Tops and that was it. Like they were the only trading card company uh, that had stuff you, with any value. Did you only do baseball, or did, or did you? Or, or did he it only was, do baseball, and one of you only do football? Like, 
or was I probably like, had a, a, a semi collection of baseball and football from whenever you showed up at the store, right? And you were lucky okay. enough to get a packet at the checkout counter of whatever you wind your way into getting or saved enough money to get. Mm -hmm. um, he was specifically baseball. And then the USFL was like the last gasp for me at stuff. I was like, oh my God, I got this. This league's going to fail at some point. This shit's going to be worth something. I'm going to keep them. And that's what I've got since then in the, in the 30 some years it's been or whatever. I think I, I mean I've pretty much always been hockey. I was gonna say yours was only hockey or mostly hockey. Pretty much, like I have. Were they as readily available as other ones? Like when I think about going to checkout counter at the at the, so, at the Eckerd or okay. whatever. So my my collection was actually a hand-me-down collection from like uh, somebody that was much older than me knew that I was very into hockey and gave them to me. Okay. And so I had that base of the collection, and that was like all of the. And I don't remember what brand did it, but there's, there's a brand that did it, and they, I think I don't want to say it's Tops, but maybe it is Tops. They had all of their cards, and I, so I had a lot of those cards. But then, I we in in the part of Altoona that I live in, which is called or lived in, was is called the Juniata section of town where the, the railroad shops are. There is a little right near our house is a little card shop that is still open to this day and every day time i drive by there i'm like how is it still open i bet they're making a killing this year but like it's one of those things that's like and so i would go down there and buy cards occasionally yeah. um and it would just it would kind of come in um the other thing that i have that i i do want to like kind of go back and look for is of course growing up going to all the curve games i bet like there are some notable pirates like i know i have an andrew mccutcheon Altoona Curve card in there. Mm -hmm. I know I've got like Jack Wilson and like Bronson Arroyo in there. I, you know, and I, I would be willing to bet that a lot of them are actually signed by those guys. Like I, I, I would love to know. Like I'm sure that there's some baseball that I completely trashed because I was either playing catch with it or throwing it against like, a wall or a hat or something. It was signed by like someone that is now. Well, they're the pirates, so they're not that good. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're, they're no, and that's, that's the best there. part about it, right? It, it's just, I mean, that, they, and that's the kind of thing you can pull them out. And they make a good thing in your game room or whatever else. For me, the, the baseball connection, the closest baseball connection, pirate connection, was Ed Ott. Like he grew up in our county. My mom was a student teacher at our rival high school, and that was the high school that he went to. Now he was older than me, but like my mom taught school to Ed Ott. Like so, when I worked for the Pirates one summer. You know, I went down to the clubhouse to introduce myself to him and tell him where I fit. And to his ever-loving credit, he pretended that he knew um, and, and knew her. Like, God bless him, you know. Um, so, um, you know, so you just have those connections. Now, the most valuable baseball cards I've ever had in my hand were not actually Tops or Flair or Donruss. When I, the summer I worked for the Pirates, they had an equipment room, equipment, like a, a tchotchke and old stuff room. Hold on, that they needed. When I worked right, the, sum, the summer I worked for the Pirates, they had this old room. Old collectibles, old, who knows, programs, whatever else. And my job as an intern was to clean it out. So I'm cleaning it out. And one day I came across this stack of cards that were about a foot high. They were photographs. And they were autographed photographs of one specific player. And they, they were clearly really autographed, which was interesting. And it was a Brodo Clemente. So it was like a foot high stack of these things. And I'm like, oh, these are pretty important. So I took them out to, to Sally O'Leary, who was the, the longtime PR person and media connection there that dealt with stuff. I'm like, Sally, you may want to put these someplace other than like buried in this closet. <laughs> so that was the most valuable cards I ever touched. I, you know, never saw them again, but they were, somebody had hopefully got their hands on them in a good way. There, there is something that is unique about 
that. First off, did you ask to have one? Did you ask? To I did not. One? No, I'm, I suck. You didn't have the guts. I, no, I would have been like, can I have one? Like, because if there's like that many of them, I would have. I, I feel like if you were, especially if you were like an intern or whatever, like your boss would be like, sure, why not? Like, you I know, I, it, I like, suck. No, I came home with a light instead, like oh, three weeks later, God. like a thing that said you and that, the Bucks and Pirates baseball that was like. And that light is probably in somebody's in basement. Goodwill in, or. It lasted around. for a few years, but it's at a Goodwill now, yes. Um, but we, we've been going to a couple of antique stores around here and weirdly they're like some of them have like a little bit more baseball memorabilia and i don't know why but the one we've gone a couple times now and it's like i understand why it hasn't sold yet because it's like four hundred dollars and who's got that kind of money there's a jo- signed joe dimaggio card mm-hmm. and i'm like that's cool because at one point in time joe dimaggio was like holding that and signed that. Like, I think that is that is neat to me. That's what one of the, the cool things about old baseball cards. I don't know, though. I I never got into, like, I just never could get into it. Even, like, with Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know if you know what either of those are. You probably know what Pokemon are. Yep. I, I just never got into them. And I don't, maybe just cards aren't for me. Um, I know we've been rambling about this for a while, but I, I, I want to know... Do you know what this NBA Top Shot thing is? Do you have you been paying attention to that? No, I mean I know it okay. popped up and it's thing, so but I don't know. Yeah. It, it's very confusing to even me, and it's targeted at me. But basically, it is like you buy a video clip of, and it's the same. It's this. It's supposedly the same notion of like there's only twenty five of these LeBron video clips that are floating around. Yeah. But you, in theory, anybody could also go get it. But then you can add it to this. This, this is where it gets really confusing because I don't barely understand like cryptocurrencies. Okay. You can add it to your blockchain wallet, so sort of. But like one dude spent two hundred thousand dollars on a LeBron video clip that there's like one of four of. Yeah, I'm sorry. Record what? the game on, on YouTube TV or your DVR. God forbid, I know nobody has a DVR. There's just nothing you can do with like you do with it. Like I'm now intrigued. I should probably go look at boxes, and it will be tomorrow now to see what I have, right? And I can put some stuff out and share it, and look at it, and talk about it. What the hell are you gonna do with the digital clip? Like I appreciate it's one yeah. of four, but you, you can't, you can't. It's not like know, LeBron's just, gonna sign. Like you can get LeBron to sign that. You know what I mean? Like, hey right. LeBron, can you sign my iPhone screen? <laughs> like, right. Like there's just nothing you can do. Like, I don't know. That seems. And again, what happened for me? God, what if you're on the wrong? If it's on the wrong device, you don't have it stored in the right place, and or the electricity goes out, or who knows? Like, I mean, I don't I think it works batteries, like that, but, but whatever, I think it's but, on the internet. But right. the, I don't think it works like that, Grandpa. But <laughs> I lob that up there for you to hit out. You should say it today. You're welcome. Um, I don't know. I just to me, it's a little odd. I was reading, I was reading another article today about how the company that is doing this is based in Canada, and apparently the NHL is next. But again. You know what I, I have read that is very big, and I, 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 I'm really going to age you here, but our, it, Tim Hortons does cards, mm-hmm. and, and Steven Stamkos' dad got all of the cards, mailed them to Steven Stamkos, and said, can you get all of your hockey friends to sign these? Yeah, that's cool. Which is cool, but like, I, it, to me, like I've never gotten anything, I've never gotten a a pack of bubble gum, and then also gotten a baseball card. Right, and I we did. I mean, I remember that the gum always sucked, which I'm sure you'll see in all the stories, and makes all this kinds of sense in the world. Um, you know, it was like a little flat piece of pink crap. 
Um, no, I mean, it was about the card. It was about the connection. It was about bringing something that you saw only on TV and only rarely to get it in your hands to make a, a tactile connection with it. I sent letters probably when I was 10 to like sports teams that had fa famous players, right? And like, hey, could I get a picture of whatever, right? Like stupid ass <clears throat> fan letters. And maybe you'd get one back, maybe you wouldn't. Um, I might, maybe I sent 10, I got five back from different places. That stuff doesn't exist. The stuff that I have now that's of value to me, I have an autographed um, Dion Butler jersey. I had him in class. So after he, and, and it's funny, I didn't know who he was at first. Like he sat front and center and whatever else, but I didn't know and it took me a couple of classes and whatever else. And he was friendly and, and, and after grades were done and whatever else, I'm like, hey, I, you know, he was talking about he and Jordan Norwood struggling who was going to make dinner. They had one pan in their apartment because that was all they could share. I'm like, look, I'll take you dudes out for dinner now that your grade has been posted. It's fair. You know, the only thing is I get my wife gets to come along and ask questions that she wants to know about, you know, football. Um, and so when he got with with the Seahawks, you know, I bought a jersey and when he was back in town, I'm like, sign this. I don't have it framed yet, but to me, that's cool. Like yeah. a kid that I had in class, right? And I, and I said that to, I texted Tommy Stevens in the fall, like when we were still in connection because I had him in class. I'm like, dude, if you make a roster and get in a game, I'll buy a jersey and send it to you to sign. Are you in? Um, and I need to do it with Deshaun Hamilton. Like, so the people that I've had and I've had in class and there's a connection with, that's cool. That was an experience. Um, but yeah, like I, I can see how people don't get it too, right? Because there's just, it's just another thing to collect. Um. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, um, I was thinking about that recently, actually, just like, cause I sat next to Deshaun in, in a couple classes. Like, so it is, that is, that is something that's cool. Um, but yeah, no. All right. I feel like we've talked about sports cards enough. Cool. Today. I'm sure the listeners will too. <laughs> sure All right. Um, subscribe and like us on Facebook. Email us at the show at stuff summer says podcast at gmail.com uh, with some feedback. My Twitter handle is at stuff summer says your Twitter handle is at Steve Sampson. Anything else? That's it. Have a great week. All right. That's it. Bye. <laughs>